Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Welcome to another episode of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Wright, and I am joined alongside, again, by Anthony Wright and uh, the coveted Cindy King is here uh, today. And this is our last episode in the month of January, where we spent some time diving into the Beatitudes and really thinking about how we actually apply this into our lives and be a people of mercy shaped by God's word to do so and really informed by the words of Jesus and the Beatitudes to how do we cultivate hearts and minds and souls that are in line with what he's doing in us as his people. Um, So today we're going to be doing some frequently asked questions uh, in this space of, of kids advocacy. But before we do that, how's everybody doing today? Feeling all right today? Yeah. I am really putting into practice the beatitude of, mm. of blessed are those who mourn. <laughs> okay. Um, Anthony's a Ravens fan, guys. So yeah. I'm really leaning in there. I find those words encouraging. Mm. Um, so, I don't think that's what we were talking about there, but that's all right. You know, it's, you know I, I just read farther in the text. Mm. Okay. <laughs> What about you, Sydney? Well, since we're living in community, I can tell you I'm an Eagles fan. So Uh I've been through this. I've been in mourning. So I think, you know, some of us have been through that so that we can comfort others. Yeah. There's always next year. That's our phrase. We walk this Christian path. We do. We do. We do indeed. And what a joyful experience it is as brothers and sisters (laughs) in Christ. Um, But yeah, in all seriousness, so we're going to jump into some questions. We've got quite a few questions today. So we should probably just jump right in and and get started. So as you guys remember from the last episode, Cindy's kind of an expert in this this space. Uh, She's looking at me with weird eyes. But yeah, she says I am very much an expert. No, the ultimate expert, actually, uh, some would say. uh, (laughs) And she hates this. So that's okay. So uh, we're digressing here. But our first question for you, Cindy, to kind of just like kick things off a little bit is, how do we prepare our church um, to be a welcoming place for uh, kids that are coming for from a variety of different places, whether that's foster care, safe families, uh, adopted children? What are some things in our culture that we can do to help make ourselves a welcoming environment for that? So I've been here on two different Sundays in the last year, and I've met with Anthony multiple times as the church rep who comes to regular meetings for Keystone Family Alliance. And I have to say, I think you're doing more than a lot of churches are doing at this mm-hmm. point. And I think um, what I see when I'm here, what I feel what I'm when I'm here is that this is a safe, welcoming place. Mm-hmm. And one thing that Jason Johnson, who is an expert in, <laughs> in this field, uh, one thing that he says is that churches should be a safe place where people can do hard things. And churches should also be safe places for people who have experienced hard things. And I think keeping that in mind is is what you want to create. How do you do that? I think you do that by discipling people. Like discipleship is all about growing more Christ-like. Yep. Well, if we're growing more Christ-like, it doesn't take long to read the Gospels and figure out that his whole life was moving toward people. <laughs> people who struggled, people who were going through hard things. And he was a safe place for those people. Mm. And so I think that if we are living our lives like that, our churches are going to be places where people can do hard things mm. and also where people who've experienced hard things can come. Yeah. I also think the more 
the idea of pure religion, the James 127, you know, pure religion is looking after orphans and widows, and I would say any vulnerable population. Mm -hmm. But the more that is talked about, the more that is modeled, the more that is brought into every message, into every Bible study, like how can we take this and how can we make this part of who we are in caring for people? We are compassionate people. We are people of mercy. That is what is going to make this a welcoming place for kids from foster care, kids who've experienced hard things, and maybe even their biological families. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging to hear that we're doing an okay job. I think that. you're doing better than an okay job. <laughs> as, a, as a congregation, <laughs> that, that's encouraging to me and to my heart. Sometimes when you're so close, it's hard to know how you're doing. So I think it's helpful to hear even from your you know, external perspective to be able to have a window into our church to help with that. Um, from my point of view, though, I, I serve our families and, you know, coming alongside of them and discipling their kids and and putting forward the content that we do on Sunday mornings and oversee our classrooms. And I, I guess my question is, how do we extend this information of being welcoming people even to our kids, the kids of Liberty Church? How do we talk to our kids here at Liberty about foster care in a helpful way? But also, how do we coach them in like handling classroom environments, maybe with with kids with difficult behaviors or or whatever coming out of these different venues? Yeah, again, I think it's discipling kids. Hmm. You know, there is no minimum age, and I think sometimes our kids are actually better at sure. compassion than we are. Sure. They're much more accepting than we are. Like they may look at somebody's behavior with a kind of odd face, but then they're going to ask them to play with them in the next minute. That's just who kids are. <laughs> and so I think we could learn a lot from them. Hmm. But I also think, you know, not just telling the stories, but then applying them. What does that look like for us? What does that look like if you go to school? How do, how can you live like this at school? Um, how can you, you know, in whatever extracurricular activities you're in, the sports, whatever, how can you live like Jesus? And, hmm. you know, when, when you do have those challenging behaviors, because again, we want to have a safe place where people who've experienced hard things can feel welcome. Yeah. Um, that is on the adults to create those spaces. Hmm. And so when I'm talking to parents or when I'm talking to children's ministry volunteers or I'm talking to schools, to teachers and educators, I always say it is up to us to create an environment for success. Hmm. So, you know, that might mean talking to the foster parents. Hey, we really want your child to be welcomed here. I've noticed so-and-so is struggling. Yeah. How can I help yeah. this child? It might mean more volunteers. It might mean that that child has a one-on-one. Needs one one person with them. I have a child that that is what we did for a very long time. And sometimes that meant that, you know, they could tell that this was a difficult time for him. And so that one-on-one person would just take him for a walk around. And I had to give permission that I'm okay with this one adult being with my one child because... I was going to say, that's against my safety protocol. It is. But we said, okay, they're going to walk in public spaces. Yeah. I know this person. I am personally giving you permission. And not every church can do that. That's fine. But you need to figure out what you can do hmm. to be welcoming. Um, I think also training is really important. Oh. And that's also something else that we offer with Keystone Family Alliance because we recognize that that is important. I was literally going to say, do you want to come to my <laughs> I family do. ministry? I training? do. I love, I was a teacher. I love to teach. And it's okay that they're adults now because I'm also passionate about this topic. Yeah. But I think that we can learn. There's a lot we can learn because just like traditional parenting is not the same as parenting challenging children. Hmm. What we do in children's ministries as volunteers is different. And I'm just going to give you one example. So 
connection is the key. That's what we mm-hmm. talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. With parents, we use the mantra connection over correction. Mm-hmm. And so connection over everything, really, because mm-hmm. short history, short lesson on trauma, trauma happens because there's a, a disruption in attachment and disruption in connection and, and relationship. And so the way that we can heal that is through connection and relationship. So in our children's ministry, there was a time and my daughter was a volunteer there in that in the ministry. And she came home that day and she said, Mom, let me tell you what happened today. She said there was a, a little girl, I'm going to say elementary age, I don't know what elementary age, came in and sat on a chair and she had her whole body in her coat. Her arms were in, they weren't in the sleeves, they were inside against her body. The hood was over her head. You couldn't mm-hmm. see her face. She was shut down inside her coat. And she said... I just realized that that behavior was probably trying to tell me something. So she said, I just went down and sat beside her and I just started to talk to her and I wasn't getting a whole lot of response, but I was thinking connection. And so I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to sit here and talk. I'm going to have a one-sided conversation. And that was a great response. Unfortunately, an adult walked in the room, saw the situation, saw the child not with her class, saw her just sitting on a chair totally covered up in your coat and started to maybe not yell, but with a authoritarian tone or at least authoritative tone told her, you know, that was not appropriate. She needed to come sit down. Mm -hmm. And my daughter was heartbroken because there's no connection in that relationship. And then, you know, thinking down the line, what could that say to that child about Mm church? Um, and maybe for that child, maybe it wasn't a child who experience, had experienced some kind of trauma, but something was happening in that moment. Yeah, that behavior, you know, we also say, look underneath the behavior. That behavior was saying, I don't feel like I can connect to you for whatever reason, but I need it. Yeah. And so what is wrong with somebody, a, a team volunteer who maybe isn't needed with the other activities at that moment? What's wrong with a team volunteer sitting with a child, just having their own little conversation, seeing Jesus through that connection? Mm-hmm is going to go a whole lot farther than forcing a child to come into a situation that maybe for that moment, they don't feel safe there. Mm. That's really helpful. That's really helpful. Um, are there any, as our church has more foster kids and more safe families coming into our space here, is there any helpful resource that parents can have to like talk with their kids through this to kind of prepare them, help build that mental shelving in um, for interacting with these other kids? To do at home? Is yeah, that the question? to do at home. We're working on that. Okay. I'm working on that. Um, of course you are. This is a teaser. <laughs> this is the teaser. Oh, I wish I, I wish I could say, oh, here's my book coming out, yeah. but I can't. Um, there are some resources and I'm looking at them to see what would be the best to give to yeah. churches or do we write our own? That That's in discussion right now. Yeah. So I think we mentioned this the last time I was here, but I'm yeah. moving from county mm-hmm. coordinator to equipping director. So that all falls under my role. Yeah. But I can say as a parent... We just made sure we were a home and a family that lived this way. Mm. So we homeschooled and it was always interesting to me. And this may be true of other educating realms, but it just happened to be that my circles were homeschooling moms. And so a lot of Mm -hmm. times these conversations would come up, you know, like, they would obviously see my family and know it was different. And so would start to ask questions. And then I would inevitably get the, well, I could never do that. Mm. I'd say that's fine. You don't have to. But as Christians, we are all called to care for the vulnerable in some way. Hmm. And then the next response was usually something like, 
Well, we read a lot of books about, you know, Mother Teresa and heroes of the faith. And, and I, I would always have to decide if I wanted to speak this out loud or keep it inside my head. But my thought was, <laughs> that's great. Your kids are going to be really good at reading stories about people who have done those things. Mm-hmm. But if they don't see us do it, Mm. And they don't see how we respond when service gets hard. First of all, they're not going to do it. And second of all, when it gets hard, if they have done it, they're going to quit because they've learned that life is comfortable and life is nice. And, you know, I can create my nice, comfortable world. And that is not how I think we're supposed to live. And so my kids heard over and over, we're going to do this because we're choosing to live uncomfortably so that other people can be comfortable. Yeah. And, yeah. and this is what Jesus did. This is what we're doing. So I can't say that I actually did this thing to prepare my children. I think it's just who we were. Mm. Yeah. Well, but just so you know, once you do have some resources, <laughs> I will gladly take what you have because I'm in this process of thinking through creating a resource list for equipping our families Perfect. for these kinds of conversations or having that be a category in those resources. So we'll gladly take it okay. and receive it <laughs> okay. uh, when you do have it. But I, I do think that that is a helpful word for us to be reminded of, even as we think about the Beatitudes and applying yes. things to our lives of of this reality that we're called into a costly obedience, that we're we're called into dying to ourselves yes. for the sake of others to see our 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 Lord who made himself sin, who knew no sin, so that we could become his righteousness. Yes. That um we're stepping into that and that um in a really powerful way to do that is in this this space that you're advocating for, which is yeah incredible. Um, and I think that is a good transition, though. Do we want to dial in a little bit deeper then into like the family side of things? We talked about kind of the church side of things, but we want to kick off the family side of things, Anthony? Yeah. So if there's a family who's listening to this and thinking our heart is being stirred, we want to consider what it would be like to open our home. How would they consider exploring uh, foster care versus adoption versus safe families? What are some maybe good ways to think through that? Yeah. So I think it starts with the husband and wife having these conversations. Mm -hmm. What do you feel called to do? What do I feel called to do? And our experience has been that a lot of times those are different answers. Mm -hmm. And that has to be dealt with because you cannot adopt half a child. You cannot go into this half. And so we always use the illustration that a lot of times in a relationship one is the break and one is the gas pedal and that's great and you should be and I think God has put us together for that reason because if you were both the break you'd go nowhere and you'd do nothing if you're both the gas pedal you're going to crash and burn so talk together and and use the wisdom that God has given the other partner and I think that's where it has to start and maybe that means finding the lowest common denominator like okay both parties are not open to adoption at this time Both parties are not open to foster care or safe families at this time. Would you be open to being on a care community? Would you be open to doing some respite care and child care? Just kind of get your feet wet. Like, what does this actually Mm. look like? Yeah. Talk to other families who are doing it. And and definitely both of you should be praying about this Mm. and and, and praying with an open mind, too, because Mm. God might be, you know, maybe he's already told one, yes, you're going to adopt, like in in my situation where I knew from a young age, it took my husband some time, but he was open to that response. And 
you know, even now as a situation will come our way, I tend to be the one who say, says yes. And then he'll say, I'm going to pray about it, which is the right response. And we need that. And, and if he comes up with a different answer than what I had, then I need to accept that, that then, you know, you either need to both be yes (laughs) and do it, or one of you be yes and one be no and not. Mm -hmm. Because when trouble comes, when it gets difficult, you need to know that you both said yes. Mm. But it is also a good way to start with something else, because oftentimes then that does lead to, yeah, God really was calling us to foster or to adopt. It just took some preparation. We just needed yeah. some time. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You be as prepared as you need to be. That's fair. Now, so let me ask you this question and follow up to that. What what would maybe you counsel some people to differentiate between going the full-on adoption route versus foster care? Uh, for example, what what some maybe some guardrails that you would give some folks to help maybe discern the calling and leading of God in their their lives as a couple? Yeah. A lot of times it comes down to cost for a lot of people. So obviously foster care has no cost to it. Yeah. You know, depending on the agency you're working with, you're not even paying for your clearances. You're saving your receipts from those and they're even going to pay for that. You're not, if it goes to adoption, you're not paying for the legal fees for adoption. That is all part of foster care Um, is actually cheaper for the state to have children be adopted than to have them languish in the foster care system. Mm. So that is all paid for depending on the situation that, the stipend that you get for foster care will continue until the child turns 18. Not in every situation, but in some. I don't think anybody should go into it with the idea that, oh, we're getting a stipend because it does not (laughs) pay for the raising of the child, but it is something and you are not putting anything out. And the costs of adoption can be exorbitant and Mm -hmm. a, a reason why a lot of people don't do it. Within adoption, there would be international adoption, which is expensive, usually involves travel, Mm -hmm. um, lots and lots of paperwork. Mm -hmm. There's paperwork with all of these options, but international has its own set. Oh yeah. Um, that is the one area I know the least about because we have never gone that route. And then there's, there's domestic infant adoption Mm -hmm. there. It's not, it doesn't happen very often that you would have domestic older child adoption Mm -hmm. because domestic adoption is usually where, an expectant mother makes a plan, child is born, the child is adopted. Um, very rarely, but occasionally would it happen a couple of years down the road where that plan would be made. Typically, if they're older, it would be foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, there is also foster to adopt where you know you were going into foster care to adopt and there are children who are already, um, their parents' rights have been terminated, they have been released for adoption. In that situation, they are almost always sibling groups, older children, or children with special needs. Mm -hmm. That's why they're sitting on these lists and why they have not been adopted. Um, It would be unheard of to have an infant be on one of those lists. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Where do you you want to dig further into adoption? Or go to foster care. Let's start with foster care. Yes. I feel like you laid out kind of the adoption options there. Yeah. Um, between the ones that you that you listed. So if someone does want to think through foster care, begin that process. Um, how do they begin to prepare their family? You said earlier, prepare as long as you need. Yes. Mm-hmm. What does that preparation look like? 
prepare as long as you need, but don't keep preparing forever because you'll, yeah, never, you'll never do it. Kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. with biologic, biological children. Oh, we'll have them when we have everything in place. Mm -hmm. You're never going to have everything oh, yeah. in place. So I think you, you do prepare, but at a certain point, you just have to take that first step. Okay. Um, the first question is, what agency am I going to go with? And I tell people, talk to people you know who are doing foster care. See what agencies they're like or they're with. What do they like about them? What do they not like about them? And that's how you should make your decision there. Because there are so many agencies around here. Some Christian, some not Christian, some more Christian than others. So you need to talk to people. Um, you know, decisions can be made based on where the offices are or how they run their trainings. Um, yeah how they care for their families. Those yeah. are some questions to ask. Um, and then once you have your agency, they're going to walk you through everything after that. Uh, they, the trainings are getting better than they used to be in actually preparing you for the challenging behaviors that could come into your home. Okay. Um, but I still think it's better to find some really good trauma informed parenting training because while it's getting better, they're, they're, a lot of them are not quite there yet. And, and that's when people say, I can't do this anymore because they are not prepared for those behaviors. Mm -hmm. So again, we offer those. We offer them Monday evenings online. Yeah. And uh, we also offer some parent coaching. And so we can also give some more resources. Yeah. Because I do believe that that's really important to have as you're never going to know everything. And even if you do, I felt like I was so prepared when we had our first 10 year old, you know, older child come into our home, but it wasn't until he was, you know, in my home in front of me displaying these behaviors that I had to then go back to the books, go back to the information and, and reread it. Mm. Yeah. If so, if people do their research, they find one or two agencies that they really would want to go with with those in talking with those agencies, will they help maybe give them more of a handhold on like things to get ready for this i know there's housing inspections and all kinds of stuff so what what might that look like yeah what yeah. needs to be in place yeah so. so they they are going to give you the list of all of the things that they need um some of them are more organized in how they give you those lists than others <laughs> and you know they, they might have a nice little checklist that these are all of the hours of trainings you have to do and the specific topics and when they're held there's going to be the list of things you need to have set in your home. Um, a lot of people think for whatever reason, this is uh, a myth that goes around that you have, have to have one bedroom for every child. That is not true. There are regulations around what ages can be in rooms together, but um, you do not have to have one room for every child. They have to have their own bed, but that's the only regulation around that. Um, they're going to look for things like, you know, do you have the outlet covers? Do you have your chemicals and medications locked up or do you have a place where they could be locked up do you have the cabinet locks on they're going to ask a lot of very invasive questions mm. they're going and and they're doing this because they want to know not that you are a perfect person or a perfect parent yeah but do you have the resources that you would need no matter what comes mm. you know if you have struggled with depression in the past that's fine. They just want to know that you know what to do if that comes up again, that you have places to go, people to see, people to talk to, that you know what to do if that happens again. You can regulate. You can have, a, have yes. a plan. You yeah. have a plan. Hmm. That's helpful. It, it feels like a lot. I do not enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. um, there, the questions, the people in my home, I have learned your house does not have to look immaculate. They might open some doors here and there, but they're not going to be checking all of your closets to see what you hide in there, you know, 
But um, so you don't have to necessarily dust and vacuum every time they come. <laughs> and yeah. Sometimes it's just not worth it. They want to know what your what your, your home normal, is like, your normal environment is like. Yes, and they're on your side. They are. They want foster families. Yes, but they also want to know that you're going to be in it for the long haul. Yeah, and that it, something isn't going to take you over the edge. Yeah. Is there one thing when you're you're talking with people that like, man, you other than like the consistency between the husband and wife, what if they both have desire? But there is there are there some things where it's like, man, you should just really not foster. Hmm, that's a good question. I know a, a time that we often tell people put a little pause on it, and that mm. is when people are making this decision due to infertility. Mm. That I think it's really important that you have worked through that. Not completely. You're never going to work through that completely, but that you are at a, a place, both of you, where this isn't a replacement, mm. but it is more of a God must have had a different plan, and we are okay with that. Yeah. And so I do think it's important in that situation to take a pause. If you need to do some counseling, if you need to do some, you know, some specific targeted prayer in that area, whatever you need to do to to be in a healthy place in that. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I think. Um, there Sorry, might that be, was yeah, it is. It is off book. Yes, there there might be some personality styles that you know, if you're set in your your traditional parenting ways and not, are not open to learning about trauma informed parenting, that might be a red flag. Yeah, because you cannot parent the same way; it will not work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful, and I, I think that that's I think just like a a good starting point where it's like, do you have unprocessed trauma or things yes. that you haven't dealt with? Yeah. You, uh, you know, all those different things kind of play into that, along with the consistency of husband and wife and calling and all the things leading in the Lord for your family. So, um, I think that's really helpful. Um, another hard thing in foster care is transitions and goodbyes. Uh, so how do you handle saying goodbye to foster children or how do you even prep uh, for churches and families to think about that process on your end of things? Yeah, I think that we have to reframe that. Mm-hmm. Is it really a fear of saying goodbye and a fear of getting too attached or is it a fear of dealing with grief? Mm-hmm. Like we don't like to set ourselves up for yes. loss and grief. But again, when we look at Jesus's life and we look at what we are called to do, we are called to go into those spaces. We are the ones that need to set ourselves up to be uncomfortable so that other people can be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think we need to fear it. Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. The whole point of fostering is loving this child while they're in their home as if they are your own. Mm -hmm. And so there is a loss. There is grief there. But is the fear of getting too attached or is it, I don't think I can handle this or even a step further, I don't think I can handle walking my children through this grief. Mm. And I think that's something we need to take to the Lord and, and, and also as a church to be aware of that Mm. and to know this is a grief that just happened in this family's home. This is a loss and we want to walk with them the same way we would walk with someone who just lost a close family member Mm. because they did. Yeah, they just lost a close and sometimes they might still have contact, but they may not. And so it may be a one day they were here and the next day they were gone. Or it might even be we sent them to school and they didn't come home. The caseworkers picked them up there. So it's something to be aware of. I don't think, again, we can't prepare ourselves for it. We don't know how we're going to feel when we go through it, but we do know who goes through it with us. Mm -hmm. We know Psalm 23, right? We, if, 
we pretty much all know that. And we, we also know that we were given a community to walk through life with us. That's what the rest of the church is here for. That's really helpful. And I, I imagine that's something that should be woven into the fabric of even a care community that yes. to be prepared for walking alongside of the joys and struggles, but also in the grief, I, I guess, into that process Definitely. to deploy the meals team like you would for <laughs> yes. someone who lost someone, all those different things. Like, what does it look like to collaborate that from the care community to our deacons to all the other fabrics of our church? Yes. And, and I think that's a really helpful reframing that I, I would have never thought of. I don't know about you, Anthony. Yeah, it is a helpful. I like, so it's, it's really funny. Interesting. So Cindy, uh, Cindy helped us work through these questions here. And she wrote on here, how do you handle saying goodbye? And then you reframed it. So I feel like you set it up and just nailed it and <laughs> hit it out of the you park You gave yourself there. a softball. You Look know? at that. I don't think I did that on purpose. But <laughs> but you was... just did it and you crushed it. Wonderful. I'm so yeah. It's just like, I just saw this idea of we so often try to protect ourselves from We grief. do. And there's a natural self-preservation mm-hmm. aspect that is probably... We should also not intentionally run headfirst into grief with no abandon. That's probably sure. also not a helpful way to live. But accepting it and walking into spaces like Jesus did, knowing there will be grief instead of being so reclusive. Yes. And knowing it's a part of life. It's a part of our living. It's a part of the fall, really. Yeah. And as children of God, we are meant to redeem those spaces. Yeah. Well, secondary to that, how do you teach your kids? How do you walk your kids through grief? So if a family, like if they do have bio kids in their home or maybe kids they've adopted in the past or even those kinds of situations, like for example, we have a family in our church that have adopted from foster care and are likely going to start taking more foster kids into their home. What do they do to help like those kiddos that desperately want to share their home with someone else? When they leave, what, what do we do with that? How do, how do you encourage those families in that process? Yeah, I as a parent would be talking about it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. We This journey is going to be difficult. Jesus did not call us into perfect lives that are not going to experience grief and yeah. loss. And so um, I'd be honest with my children. I'm not even sure how I will handle this, how I will feel if this child goes home. But we can also rejoice. Mm-hmm there's a side, you know, like they went home, they went to be with mom or they went to be with dad or both. And so I think there's just a lot of talking. And then when it happens, a lot more talking, and it might mean doing some therapy for a while. And that's okay. Yeah, because that is preparing our children for whatever it is that God has given them. American culture, we don't like loss and grief, like we separate ourselves from Mm -hmm. death as much as we possibly can. Mm I don't think that's a good thing. That's another topic. But here, this is a way to bring our children into something that is part of life. And it's part of what we're called to do. We are told that this journey is going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. I am sending you as sheep among wolves Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're going to have burdens, but I'm asking you to give them to me. And so we can model that for our kids. We can show our emotions in front of them and they can Mm -hmm. know this is hard, but I go to Jesus with it Mm -hmm. and it's okay. And then look at all of these people who are supporting us. They're bringing us meals. They're writing us cards. Let me read you this card that so-and-so sent to us. This just really helped me today. That is going to help our kids for the loss that they suffer later. I think the more we can experience these things in our home when our children are young, better prepares them for when they're older. We A lot of our kids leave our homes. I was one of those kids. I had very little loss in my life by the time I was in college and leaving home. And then it's harder to to learn how to go through it when you're an yeah. adult. But 
if it's something that not that we want to create lots and lots of it, no, but, but that is why we're the parents to teach our kids these things, to model it, Mm. that it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. The age appropriate association with adversity and right. Exercising muscles of lament and joy and grief and all the things is human. It's a human thing. It is. Uh, and teaching your kid, if you pad your kids from that completely, they may not have those tools to be right. able to do that as adults as well. Right. Yeah. Mm. So now I want to kind of transition here because I'm sure there's people listening, probably a lot of people listening who are all about foster care and adoption. And, and they love that our church is really putting a lot of effort and we're talking about it a lot. But they themselves or their family, they're just sitting there thinking, I'm just not called to foster or adopt or to be a safe family, mm-hmm. host family. That's just not what our family's call is. Um, and that's okay. And I'm sure there's many people listening. And if that's you, that's completely okay. Um, but how do they find their calling? How can they even l- lend a hand or be a part of this if God has not called them and their family to foster or adopt or, or be a host home? Yeah. And let's face it. That's the majority of the people. Yep. I mean, it would be great if we all did, because then we'd have more waiting homes than we have waiting children, but we're not all going to be called to that. So I think that's a great question because let's talk to the majority. Mm-hmm. And I think it's as simple as what Jesus said to the little boy when they needed to, or the disciples found the loaves and fishes. But the question being, what's in your hands? Mm-hmm. What do you have? We're not asking you to learn a new skill to use with vulnerable children and families, but what do you have? Are you someone that, here's one that that can be used in so many different ways. Do you know how to sew? Do you love to sew? Well, we have in our area, in our county, uh, we have a foster closet that gives out clothing free of charge to foster and adoptive and kinship homes. And they, when, you know, let's say somebody needs size four girls clothing, they don't just put it in a bag. They put it in this really cute pillowcase that's made by somebody in our community. They can always use more people to be making cute child-friendly pillowcases. Um, we have Backpacks of Hope that gives backpacks to children as they're entering foster care. And each backpack has a blanket. Somebody could be sewing cute baby quilts, cute toddler blankets, doing the no sew knotted yeah, blankets, the tie blankets, the tie blankets, um, those kinds of things. There, there's something for everybody. There are needs for transportation for youths aging out of foster care at Bethany House, where one of the things that they, you know, they want the girls to get their own license, but until they do, they need people to drive them to work because they're all working on goals and they're all trying to get job skills. And mm-hmm. so that's something. If you you have a specific skill that you can teach. That's another thing for those youths aging out. They are looking for people to come and do, I think they call them lunch and learns as well. Um, or they have some evening times where people can come and teach them some car repair, teach them to have a craft night with them, spend some time with them, help them to see that um, they're there are things to do. There are hobbies. There are things you can do for enjoyment, things to do with your spare time. Teach them to mm-hmm. bake cookies, teach them to cook, make a meal with them. Um, we need people to mentor young adults or or people that are aging out of foster care. Mm-hmm. We need a lot of people to serve in care communities. I think that you know, you have one, almost two, I think. Yeah, we're so close. You're we're so close. Of that second one. You're so close. What would it look like if in five years you had five and maybe they weren't even all for families in this congregation that are fostering, but there are plenty of families in the community that could use them. Mm -hmm. Um, Gateway is such a simple way. 
and in a way that we can either give out of our excess, you know, I'm, I'm downsizing, I have these beds I don't need anymore. That's our excess. We're asked to give our excess. That's what they did in the Old Testament. Leave your, leave, when you're harvesting your field, leave the extra. But we can also give sacrificially. Oh, I see somebody needs a bed. You know what? I'm going to purchase it on Amazon and have it sent to them in this, in this need. And so I think that's a great way for us to, to start serving. There are, there are, there are ways for families to serve. There are ways for young people to serve. There are ways for single people to serve seniors. There is no minimum age, no maximum age. What's in your hands? Yeah. Let's maybe like drill in just a little bit because we do have a pretty wide representation. We're, we're a mostly young family church here at Liberty. But we're talking a lot about families in this whole even process of thinking about our initiative being called foster care and fatherlessness, right? The family unit preserving that. We're all for that here at Liberty. However, we also recognize that singles and seniors and people in different seasons and different stations of life are equally part of this process and equally committed to Jesus and following him and have a beautiful expression of doing that in the season. So what are some ways that we can make this intergenerational um, and not just a family thing? Because I think it's easy for us as a church to fall into, we have solid families, so let's talk to them but how do we uplift other members of our community to have them involved in this process? And yeah. What would it look like? Oh, obviously, again, care communities is a great way yeah. to, to do this intergenerationally. Yeah. And But what would it look like for a group of people to get together and do an afternoon of making freezer meals? And then those, and there was a church that locally that did that. And then I helped them find foster families Mm -hmm. to give those freezer meals to, to, so that they had them, you know, ready to go when they needed them. Yeah. What would it look like for a group of people to get together and tie some blankets? Um, Anything you can think of to be working together. I know you've also done the blanket and flashlight Mm -hmm. drive. Anybody can participate in those kinds of things. So, um if you need ideas, that's why Anthony comes to the reps meetings, mm-hmm. because there's always ideas there. There are always ideas in the newsletter that I send out once mm-hmm. a month. So keyfam.org. Um, nope, that's our website. Cindy at keyfam.org. Um, and just tell me you want to sign up for the newsletter. And once a month, you'll get a list of the area agencies and ministries and what their current needs are. Get a group of people together and help meet that need. Mm-hmm. That's helpful. Any other final questions, Anthony? I think that's it. That's all the questions we have here. Um, we've thrown a lot of wild card questions at Sydney during this. So Uh-oh. thank you so much for answering those. You did a great Give job. Her a round of applause. <laughs> you don't have another one? I thought that was a prelude to. Yeah, I was going to no. say. Good. Okay. Okay. No, that Good. was just a thank you. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. You were unflinched. <laughs> yeah, completely unfazed by my sidebar <laughs> questions. Uh, apologies for that. But. Um, any other final thoughts for Liberty Church as we uh, go into the rest of 2024 uh, from from your side of the table, Cindy? I would say keep doing what you're doing. Again, I just see great things happening here. And I said this when I spoke, but when I'm talking to somebody and they say, you know, they're new to the area or they're looking for a church, I always say, go check out Liberty huh. because I am very impressed with what I see happening here in many areas. And so keep doing what you're doing. Don't be afraid for it to be messy. Mm. It's okay to not have all of these questions answered. And it's okay to figure them out as you go. And I think you will. And I have complete faith and trust. And I think God is going to be growing this ministry here in many ways. So thank you for everything you've done. And sometimes, you know, when some of those messy things come up, 
That's what Keystone Family Alliance is here for. We want to be here to support churches to do the work that God called us to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your time, Cindy, for being here on a Sunday, for recording one, but not two podcasts now with us in our beautiful studio. Yep. Uh, and for just being a continue on ongoing resource for our, our, our faith community, because you've done that just so really, really well. Um, thank you, Anthony, for spending the month with me in the podcast room. Uh, and, you know, it's weird because... And now we like hardly see each other. We live together, work together, you know, whatever. Uh, it is what it is. Um, She's only moderately tired of me by now, so... <laughs> I mean, yeah, can't, can't escape them, but I'm not mad about it. Um, but with all that said, uh, we are going to be off next week from the, the B-Side podcast. We'll pick back up the next week as we start our new sermon series that's going to be in Colossians. Uh, and with that, our Bible studies will be picking back up again. So uh, be ready to start sending us some sermon questions uh, if you remember how to do that, you can do that from the bulletin QR code. You can do it on the website. You can do it in church center, or you can do it the manual way and just fill out a uh, connection card and put that into uh, the offering plate or the offering box on a Sunday. Uh, with all that said, it's been fun, guys. Thank you again, Cindy. Uh, and we hope that you have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.